Welcome to the Healing Playground podcast with international best-selling authors, host, life transformation and recovery coach, domestic violence advocate, Holly Hartman, and co-host, peace expert and performance coach, Tammy Katura. The Healing Playground podcast, where healing can be fun and releasing shame can be done. The Healing Playground podcast welcomes all kinds of healing modalities and recovery stories. We invite you to come play with us in the playground of possibility, where freedom exists in healing. We are so glad you came to play with us on the Healing Playground today. Make sure you click subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast player and be notified of new weekly episodes. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us and receive more information about the Healing Playground podcast and the international best-selling I Am, How to Release the Shame of Narcissistic Abuse and Transform Financial Poverty to Wealth Beyond Numbers by visiting IamReleasingShame.org or thehealingplaygroundpodcast.com. Today's episode is sponsored by TammyKatura.com. When you are a person of high profile, Tammy's one-on-one program guarantees the highest level of care, discretion, and privacy for you and your family. Sometimes life deals us with situations we can't walk out on. Together, let's meet your inner wisdom and become the change you desire to see in your life. Abundant peace is possible. Welcome to the Healing Playground podcast, where healing can be fun and releasing shame can be done. All are welcome to come play with us. The Healing Playground is open to all kinds of different healing modalities and the stories of healing and recovery. We are open to a playground of possibilities. Hello, my name is Holly Hartman, and I am your host for today's episode, and I'm here with Tammy Katura, my co-host. And on today's episode, we get to hear my co-host story, Tammy Katura. Tammy Katura is a three-time international best-selling author. She's a wisdom seeker. She is a peace expert a certified facilitator for the work of Byron Katie, and a certified performance coach. And so, Tammy, I'm so excited for this project, but I'm so excited to hear your story today. (laughs) I can't wait to dig in. So, Tammy, share with us a little bit about yourself. Awesome. Thank you so much, first of all, Holly, for interviewing me. And for our podcast, this is wild. I'm so excited for it. A little bit about my story. Sure. I'm a Canadian. I grew up in the gorgeous prairies of Canada in Winnipeg, Manitoba, where you have a 180 degree sky. And the sky has always been super important to me. And um, I was interested in coming to Switzerland once I was done high school. And the reason for that is uh, the German language plays an important role on the mother side, my mother's side of the family. So as a kid growing up, hearing German spoken, hearing all my grandparents' stories from Germany, it was just really important to also get that connection with the language too. And um, I came to Switzerland as an au pair and definitely fell in love with the countryside and how hiking to mountains, you even get more of 180 degrees mountains like view of the sky. And um, while I was here, I met my future husband and then I went home and I studied and um, at the University of Winnipeg 
at Mano Simons College. And that's where I started off my, my degrees with peace studies. And I came back, I to Switzerland a couple of times, did my master's, and then I married here. And then life got really, really difficult. And, you know, it's like, when you don't even realize you're sliding down a slippery slope, it's like, how do you stop? You know, and um, I was only able to stop when I got to rock bottom. And that rock bottom is a really messy place where there is no more self-worth and the concept of self-worth doesn't even exist. So it's like, how do you identify you don't have self-worth when the concept is no longer there? It's like, how do you identify self-trust when there's nothing left to trust where it's like feels like god has turned against you or left you alone feels like life is against you or totally forsaken you we're like totally isolated in um around people who i got to know as really um caring and insightful and that i really trusted them and then so when things got really messy i was actually still really trusting them and then it was really shocking when I noticed, oh, I can't trust them anymore. And since they were kind of like my security blanket in this country, it was like, oh my goodness, now what? And um, so my healing started after I made a choice. Um, I cannot, life cannot go on like this. And um I was in a relationship that I self-identified that demonstrated narcissistic personality disorder. And that was really pivotal for me to be able to understand that that's like the context of the dynamics, like the characteristics of the group of dynamics that were hanging out together. And it was thankfully my mom who sent me a book and said, read this. And I got chills every word I read. It was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> what book was that? A book was, oh, I should have it here. Oh, it's in boxes right there. We just moved. It's still in boxes. It's uh, Stalking the Soul, Ooh. The Erosion of Identity. For, it was published in 1998 and written by Mary France Irigoyen, a French woman. And at that time, that was like the only book on narcissistic abuse. And she it's very rarely mentioned even in the book. And, uh, and she described everything to a T and the end of her book, she's rates the industrialized countries of how well they're informed about emotional, psychological abuse and how well they're equipped to support people in the situation. Well, Switzerland ranked the lowest of all the industrialized countries. <laughs> I'm glad I moved here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, the F letter word. Uh -huh, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and then it was also like she at that time, that's like the state of the art where things were. And she's like, we can't heal from this. Like she hadn't found a way, you know, she listed up all these forms of therapy and how they help. But like people who have been victim of this form of abuse, it's like basically like you deal with this the rest of your life. And I was like, oh. you know, I was in my early thirties at that time. And I was like, oh you know, that sensation like of flashbacks and CPTSD where your body just constantly feels like a landmine and like, it's impossible to concentrate. And it just, it, it just, everything really hurts. Um, I was like, no, like I am not going to live. Like I am not going to settle. Like my life is not done and I am not willing to deal with this. And so that was 
like I set that vision high, mm-hmm. like my life is not going to be stuck in suffering. And, um, that was a space that my, I knew I needed healing. I get that. Thank you for sharing all that. Wow. Uh, there's so many facets to your story that I relate to. I had a, a friend of mine in college that, um, German was her, um, uh, French and German are her languages of choice. And she's a translator and she moved to um, Germany to be an au pair. And, uh, and now she does translations and uh, she lives in Germany, but she met her husband there. So some correlations there, which I think is funny, but um, I got chills when you were talking about the book, like when you, when you were handed this resource that everything like that light bulb went off that, and and I had a similar experience with um, Shannon Thomas's book called the healing, healing from hidden abuse that I call it my missing piece of the puzzle, that, that light bulb that went off. And I'm like, oh, that's okay. And she described it just like what you said, like what these look like. And it's interesting that the characters that play out in, in these stories that we hear with people that have experienced narcissistic abuse, that it's almost like they have a playbook. So you can read many books and you're going to see a very similar um, and, and I, I find humor when I do read stories because I'm like, oh yeah, that's what that is. And, and almost play a game in it because it is um, almost insane how similar those stories can be when we read those books. Yeah. yeah. But then what, what next, right? Like there's lots of different ways we can heal after that. And mm-hmm. I also find it curious that before um, you even got in that relationship, your focus was peace. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and what got invited into your life was chaos right and we don't know that when we're walking in and I think that that also creates us being a prime candidate for that as well um that we we are a beautiful feeding ground when we are in these peaceful spirits and we have this heart for healing and heart for helping people um you know if we're not equipped and and can see what is happening Um, it slowly happens over time. So I love what you shared there. Thank you for sharing. Um, so maybe we'll dig in. You, you kind of got to the point where like, okay, I, I know I got to heal. Um, what does healing just in general mean to you? Like what, what, when you hear the word healing and, and you think of your journey, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Oh, and I'm going to, uh, backtrack just a little bit con to what you said, like I studied peace, you know, and I call myself a peace expert now. And like, really what I studied was actually a lot of violence of like, you know, it was a lot of genocide, a lot of like, how do we transform this? A lot of societies that were dealing with different forms of violence, like economic or discrimination, racial, like you name it, you know, and I, I looked at, um, I also studied sociology. So I looked at like a large scale and like specifically with um, colonization and the aftermath of like this generation of our indigenous populations have been colonized. And then also in, in like Haiti, for example. And what I find so fascinating is that as a scholar, it's like that concept of violence is limited to what takes place out outside of the body, mm. you know, and whatever takes place out there, like outside of us has a beginning and an end, you know, like the bomb fell. Okay. It, it took place and it's done. And what I feel like 
so empowered with these experiences that I experienced. And, you know, like I say, like I wanted to join the, instead of joining the blue helmets in uh, a peacekeeping mission, I like violence found me in the Emerald slopes of Switzerland Mm -hmm. because I then finally was able to identify what violence is. And it's, it's that shock of like, I'm not saying either or violence, you know, but like that internalized violence, it's like husband shouts at me, my mind tries to prevent, to do everything possible. So he will never shout at me again. Okay. So in that moment, I take responsibility for him. I take responsibility for how he's spoken to me. And I take responsibility in the future that I will make sure that that will never happen again. Yep. Okay. So it's like violence, 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 violence. It's like a breach of the limits of my capacity on three levels and they all take place simultaneously. And as long as I stay in that realm of like, I can prevent him, he's speaking to me like that because of me, you know, like believing the thought that I did something wrong to cause him to speak to me like that. It's like, those are all layers of violence. And so ask your question again. I just, I feel like I got yeah. the hook and <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, I, and I did want to address like, what does a piece of, what did that mean? Like, cause most people hear that and don't really know what that means. So I love that you shared that. And then you got into your, your healing story a little bit. And so we're kind of going into, um, you know, what, what healing means to you now, now that you have that information, that, that beautiful piece of understanding violence outside of yourself. And now you were gifted (laughs) the, the ability to understand what violence means inside yourself. Then what does healing look like now? Like what, how does that work for you? For me, healing has meant really literally to provide an alternative to the like automatism inside me. It's like, he's doing that because of me. I have the capacity to prevent in the future. It's like healing is finding, like providing my internal self with that microphone Mm -hmm. to hear me and to find those bridges, to literally build those bridges. So for me, the healing work is in like slowing down that image in my mind's eye like the frame, like a video, like slowing it down to that point in time, like a nanosecond where my mind is like, that's your fault. Mm. And then like, as we do on iPhone and they do so well, you know, they like stretch that nanosecond out. And then like, I use the work of Byron Katie. So it's like in that nanosecond, is it true Mm -hmm. that I am responsible for the way that he's treating me? Yeah. Yeah. And I work really well with concepts, with what my mind thinks. And then it's like experiencing healing there with those thoughts. And it takes a lot of courage, you know, because like my whole life I've been taught like as a child, you know, like thanks to my good parents. And I'm not saying that sarcastically, you know, like taught me to be considerate and responsible and to care and to be aware. and. Um, you know, so really good things that I received along the way. And then I spent my, my seven years in the, in the academia, in academia, like how we as a peace worker can like create change out there. (laughs) 
<laughs> so there's a lot of like, you know, that humility of like, I am mm-hmm. and who I am not and where my realms of responsibility are and where they are not. And like experiencing that, like that really small eye mm-hmm. is like enough so yes. that when, when husband shouts, you know, it's like, I hear husband shouting. Mm-hmm. And then for me, the healing is like, okay, husband shouted mm-hmm. question mark, you know, so husband spoke and then it's like, is there an instruction for me? Mm-hmm. You know, no instruction for me, just like nothing for me to do. Mm-hmm. You know, if there, you know, and the instruction can come in different forms, like a question mark or, um, you know, a follow-up question or, or just, you know, holding that space to, to be connected to me and to experience that as being enough. Mm-hmm. And that provides him with the space to do his thing. And, um, and me to respond to like internal instructions, like Tammy time to leave, you know, get up and leave, you know, yeah. or Own internal boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> Tammy get on the phone, you know, like whatever that simplicity might be telling me no, and then being that. able to respond to that. You know, sometimes these things, these instructions are just so small. That's like, Oh, I really have to do a lot more than that. And it's like, Oh my goodness, you know, it's enough. And it's like one after another. And so it's just that presence of just like receiving that one. Yeah. No, I love that. Can you think of a time, and this might be digging a little deep, but when you um, maybe use that nanosecond time, that that looking at that frame and and how you navigated that, maybe for the first time when you're like, oh, that worked. I did it. (laughs) Yes. You know, like we can celebrate those small, because we often don't celebrate the small wins, but those small wins over time make the really our healing journey. Yeah. Um, I love to say, like, start with now. Now, now, like whatever is bothering you right now, you know, like some people say like childhood trauma and whatever, you know, like that's all really valuable and really good. And I have no intention to talk it down. And what worked for me is to start with right now. Mm -hmm. So the, the first thing that I ever inquired into was my daughter is not listening to me, Mm -hmm. you know? And so you got to see this gorgeous little chubby legged two and a half year old that didn't see me all day because I was at a course and comes home and it's dinner time. And I'm thinking like, Oh, single mom, I have to go do homework for tomorrow. And and my daughter's not listening to me. You know, she just wants to play tag and wants to be tickled and have fun. And, and I just shouted at her, you know, just like, Oh my goodness. When I look back, it's like, Oh my goodness. Thank goodness. There's healing work and we have alternatives to our own habits or like patterns of behavior. And forgive ourselves for those moments, you know, so this gorgeous little toddler diaper running around mommy, you know, <laughs> and after I put her to bed, it was like the, the instructor that day at the course I was at, she said, um, and it was a reemployment course, which is important because as a Canadian in Switzerland, you know, well educated Canadian in Switzerland, it was impossible for me to be employed here, which kind of goes with like that whole isolation needing to heal and all those things that just the context of my situation. And she's like, you need the work of Byron Katie. Mm. And so that was one of my things. And she's like, you need to use it on the police, on child family services, on your husband, on the family, on their family, you know, just on everyone. And uh, the reason why she knew all these things, this context about my situation is because she had already pulled me outside 
of class after class. So like, we need to meet. And she kind of picked up that things are really weird in my situation. And then she gave me this really clear instruction, like use the work of Byron Katie. And then she listed off on all these things. So I was able to do that. And it was that same evening where I was like, oh, I want to try this. (laughs) Where my daughter is so excited to see me and runs away from me and wants to play. And in that moment, when she was then in bed and I was pulling out the instructions and working with it and just following it on this really simple statement, like, um, I need my daughter to listen to me. It really went click. It really went click. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I have my background in peace studies to thank for that because I had already done so many modalities. I had already tried out so many different ways. And in this one, it just cut the analysis out. Um, it cut out, like it brought in the, I know mind in a really specific way so that it didn't have the capacity to dominate everything. And I felt like my mind was already exhausted with CPTSD, with analysis and with like trying to understand, like I was at my wits end of of trying to understand anything. Mm -hmm. And so the work works within meditation. Mm -hmm. And so I was just able to like open it up, provide the container and witness. And immediately I felt the peace and I felt like this new sense of capacity, you know, like connecting to my wisdom, Mm -hmm. a sense of forgiveness towards my unconscious behavior towards my daughter and a new appreciation for her excitement and like wanting to see me and play and, uh, you know, being able to forgive me for that and open up capacity for other times where she just wanted to play. And I'm like already, Mm -hmm. I'm already with her in bed. So, yeah. oh, that's beautiful. I love that. And I'll let you dig a little further into Byron Katie, because I know that's a lot of your wheelhouse of what you do. Um, mm-hmm. So people kind of understand what that looks like. But I, I have similar experience in the sense of like, when I'm in a trauma response, we don't need complex concepts in order to, to heal. We need some simple things that we can start and you can always dig in deeper. There's always more to dive into, but some simple concepts to get started to go, okay, I can do this. I can work. I can feel empowered. And it, and it comes on a micro level that we try it out first and then we get to expand and get our confidence up and then move forward. And that's kind of what I heard. And, you know, when the people around us just want to be playful, that it allows us to get to in the space to be open to that. And uh, so we talk about playfulness and uh, the healing podcast is about a playground of possibilities and how we can make this fun. So I'll kind of shift it a little bit. How, what do you do to make healing fun for you? Like, what are some things you do? Wow. Well, you know, first of all, like my relationship with healing was really toxic. It was like, oh, I need to be done this. And this is taking too long. And this isn't working. (laughs) Like, what's wrong with me? I should be done with this topic now. You know, so whatever toxicity I experienced in the relationship, it just kind of like flowed into my life in all other areas. And so what I did is I worked with those thoughts, like this isn't working, like I'm never going to get done with the healing work, like, you know, all these thoughts is just pull us out of healing work that pull us out of the goodness that we're doing. And I've, I've come to really appreciate as a lifestyle as like, when I chose, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life with this. It's like, there was that curiosity. There was a desire for an alternative that I knew existed and I had no idea what it was. Mm -hmm. And 
I knew that had to be also an experience in my physical body, you know, like that sense of high cortisol levels and like anxiety and pressure to make things happen. is just so unnatural. And my body, um, I love how it's like kept that complex of like, oh my goodness, like where there's pressure, it's just, it's like, I'm not going that way. Like where I feel fear, it's like, I heal that. And then it just opens up like the gateways of goodness. And so I say it's become a lifestyle because that alternative has become so juicy. Mm -hmm. Like that alternative of literally like limitlessness, you know, like choosing to be open to receive the I don't know mind, Mm -hmm. like choosing that alternative identity has given me a capacity that is like beyond myself again and again. So how has it been fun? Um, Well, now it's like, I'm not ashamed of it anymore. I'm not ashamed that this is what I do. Like, I'm not ashamed that, you know what? I can be stressed out like of pain bills, for example, it's the first thing that comes to mind, or I can just be so excited to empty that mailbox and pay whatever bill that comes to me, like as quickly as it comes to me, or even before, you know, it's like, it's fun because when I'm no longer in these habits of needing to make something happen or needing to prevent something, it's like, life is a still dance. And, um, what do I do to make it fun? Aside from that, like I make it a ritual. It's like when, okay, I have a topic to deal with, you know, I turn, like, I love fresh flowers. So I have fresh flowers and in our home and a lot of different places, you know, I just grab a flower and turn on the candle, put on the music, and you know, just get still with it and like, be like, okay, this is like, let it pour out and give it that permission. And, you know, along the way, I've also experienced like what, what really serves me. And like, one is like how to cry, you know? And I love that I'll be getting into more of this on your podcast on solo date challenge. And, you know, those, those moments where like, have you ever had this? You're just like that person who's cared for you in your life where you've been in such like a desperate spot as an adult, you're just like crying for them to care for you again. <laughs> like, and me being here in Switzerland and away from all my family and all my social supports, like there's been times where I'm just like, oh, I just want them to pick me up in my arms and their arms and be like, Tammy, it's going to be okay. And so it's like through that, in a sense, lack of not having that, it's like been fun for me to experience. How can I give that to myself? Yes. And, you know, along that journey, it's been like, I'm not enough, Mm. you know, that little ego that's like, but I'm not enough to give me a hug. (laughs) And it's like, oh my goodness, sweetheart, come to me. Let me hear that. Like, let me hear all your proof that keeps you experiencing. You're not enough to give you a hug, you know, or I'm not enough to ask a stranger for a hug, you know, like I'm going to, you know, all those shame reactions of like, oh, I don't want to be seen that way. And I don't want to get open up that way. And I don't want to receive a stranger like that, you know, and all these just sensations of like, but that beggingness inside of like, just desiring that vulnerability, desiring to be seen, desiring for that alternative that I know is there and I don't know what it is. Yeah. So it's, it's the whole process has been from trepidatious to like fun. And I feel like that with 
any topic that stresses me out, it's that trepidation. And then it's like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I've experienced that too. I, I love what you shared about all of that. I mean, that's been my journey. It's been, a, you know, not necessarily a roller coaster, but a little bit, you know, there's peaks and valleys and th- things like that, but it is fun. And it's fun to look back and go, man, I've come a long way. And, uh, and then you talked about that vulnerability that I have, um, those for me too. And it's funny, I, I was talking to somebody this summer where I'm talking about this deep vulnerability of wanting so desperately be want to be seen, but on the polar opposite, so terrified to be seen. So it's those, it's that vulnerability that we have to like learn how to tap into. And when, and I truly believe that vulnerability helps us tap into that curiosity that taps us into that playfulness and that funness. And, and, and I don't really believe that we can be playful without vulnerability. I think they almost go hand in hand. And so we have to break down those shields um, that we, the, the walls that we have up to, to tap into that. So I, I kind of believe that both of those kind of go hand in hand. Um, so I love what you I agree. I totally agree. It's like opening up to that curiosity, you know, mm-hmm. and like when we're playing in the sandbox or building blocks, we're not like, okay, it needs to look like this. It's just like, we just start, you know, like, look at those three-year-olds. Like they just, yes. they just start and the next one joins in and then the next, and then they, the younger one comes and smashes it all. And then they like, <laughs> yeah. playfulness is lack of judgment, right? We just, we just do. We're just in the being. And, um, and I think that's beautiful. Now you and I worked on a project uh, about releasing shame. And, and that's kind of where this podcast came in into play for us. Um, so, you know, I think it's really important that we, we talk about how healing can be fun, but also that releasing shame is really another important component because until really in that vulnerability, until we can release the shame and be vulnerable, it is hard to have that, that fun and playful side. So can you share with me about how you release your shame? Yeah. Um, you know what I really, and I also have to say, it's kind of like by fluke that I experienced how powerful it is to release shame. Uh, it wasn't an intention and it was really like in hindsight where I'm like, Oh my goodness. It felt like massive in hindsight. I noticed like this chronology of when I specifically addressed shame, that those massive tectonic plates in my mind really just like readjusted, like realigned, um, in unforeseeable ways. Um, and for me, Holly, can you ask your question again? Yeah. How do you release your shame? Yeah. How do I release my shame? So work. So I work with concepts. I work on my pen and paper. It's just like, here's my notebook. I take it with me. Oh, you can't see it. No, you can't see it. It's a notebook. (laughs) (laughs) It's 290 from the store and it's spiral bound. And it's really, for me, it's perfect. It has a hard cardboard back so I can write anywhere from my lap. Uh, makes me independent from writing surfaces and it's lined and I can even tear out the pages, which is perfect. Sometimes I like to just go for a hike and take that one sheet with me and then I can glue it back in uh, just cause I'm a little, like, I like to be organized. <laughs> I tell myself. And uh, so it's like, um, you know, let's go to that topic of like, I don't have enough money to pay my bills because for a long time I was receiving social assistance for a long time. Um, I was applying for work, not getting hired. I was on unemployment insurance, you know, for a long time. Like, so these things are all like really real for me and noticing the, the potency in which, 
uh, financial infidelity accompanies people who have been in a relationship demonstrating narcissistic personality disorder. I feel like this might be a really good example or fitting at least. And there, there is also a lot of shame I find around money. Like sometimes money is a really hard topic to be up clear, direct and upfront about. So it's like, you know, I invite you to be in your mind's eye in a situation in the past or now, like as a listener or, um, where you have felt fear of paying bills, you know, and something that I dealt with was like, I am afraid to pay my bills. And the story was, I don't have enough money to pay my bills. And, you know, to provide a little bit more context on that, like on social assistance, you get a really clear budget of how much money you have every month, how much your apartment may cost. And my apartment at that time where we were living cost 80 francs more than what it was allowed to. So that means they subtracted that money from my other budget, which means that all the other budget lines had to be adjusted. And then like social, um, like healthcare was in there. If you ever wanted to go eat in a restaurant that was in there, if you wanted to um, go to a movie with your daughter, like that was in there, like everything was in a budget. And then of course you have the bills that are coming monthly, like from telephone, electricity, and then there's the credit cards. And so, you know, I don't have enough money to pay my bills. That was a really, that was a reoccurring stressful thought for me over a long period of time. And like, and that means that, you know, and I invite anyone listening to this, like to, to follow us to this exercise or afterwards to do it on your own for the sake of curiosity, you know, like we get still for curiosity, you know, so I can feel that tension in my body, you know, and it's like, oh my goodness, I don't want to look, but it's like, I look for the sake of curiosity. And then I write down what shows up when I notice that argument shows up, oh, that doesn't count, or you've already healed that thought, or that thought's not allowed to show up again, or, you know, anything that bosses me around, anything that just is like, takes me out of the exercise, just like, you know, notice it, you know, and gently bring yourself back to writing this list. Like, I won't be able to pay my bills. And that means that. And for me, like, my list looks like um, I failed. Like, I'm I'm not a worthy citizen. Um, I can't manage my money. Like I'm going to die. Like that sensation of choking and like drowning, like definitely had that one a lot. Um, I'm doing something wrong. You know, I should not be in this situation. Um, I won't be able to get out of the situation. I need to get out of the situation. And then once I identify those thoughts and, you know, sometimes these lists are like a matter of five points mm -hmm. and sometimes these lists can go on for like four pages and it's just, <laughs> it's just, you know, I invite you to give you permission to take up as much space as this list wants to. And, um, then I go through with the work, like a statement at a time. And this part might sound really boring and, you know, I love that. It's like when I'm dealing with all this trauma in my body, it's like the methodology, the calmness of it was really healing. And it's, and sometimes my mind would say, Tam, you're never going to get done with this list. And, you know, sometimes I would, and sometimes I wouldn't. And sometimes the healing was just so juicy. That it was like, I couldn't put the list down until I got through it. <laughs> 
<laughs> like that's what healing's all about. <laughs> and you know, and then I stand up and I'm like, oh my goodness, let's go pay those bills. <laughs> you know, and every statement is just so beautiful. Like it is a world in and of itself. Yeah. Now, and that's where those vision, like those images come up as like a child of like my, see my mom going to pay. And, you know, at those days we still wrote out checks to the grocery store, <laughs> you know, and I see my mom getting red and, you know, as a four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, like, I have no idea what that meant. I just know that's an image that stuck with me. And so, you know, and then it's like, what does this image mean to me? Mm-hmm. You know, that fear of like money's, I'm going to run out of money. Like the money's not there. And of course, these are my thoughts as like a four-year-old or a seven-year-old, like judging my mom. And it's so awesome to be like, oh my goodness, like same, same. Yes. You know, mom or no mom. It's just like my thoughts. And that was my experience as a kid. And that's my experience now. And it's like, I have the opportunity like right now, like I can go die with them. They can come with me. Or we can just, I can get intimate with them right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, That's you know, it's beautiful. just, yeah, it helps us shift those patterns, right. Of the, of what we experience as a child, we don't have to repeat those patterns, but if we don't have that file to pull from, and then we pull that file and then we look at it and go, okay, I can see you. I, I honor all of those thoughts that could be yours or somebody else put in a system or anything. I mean, there's so many different ways that those thoughts come into us. Yes. We honor them. And then we get to choose a different thing, but we, we have to pull that file first and have to look at that file until we do, we'll keep repeating that pattern. Right. And that's beautiful. I love that you take that space and you have a tool to use that to use now may not simple, maybe not easy, simple to use (laughs) and it gets easier as you do it. Right. Oh yes. Yeah. 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 And that's what, for me, releasing shame is that's exactly what it is. Cause it's, it's that like, for me, shame is that sensation of being familiar with what I can't see. Mm, yeah. And so I like, even though it's familiar and comforting that I can't see myself, mm-hmm. the situation itself is actually toxic. Yes. And yeah. so releasing shame for me is like getting still in those sensations of discomfort, even though they may be familiar mm-hmm. because it's like my being is craving an alternative. And it's, it's just like being responding to that. And it's so intimate. And it's like each individual is the only one who can serve it to themselves, you know, which is also just so humbling. You know, like we can be inspired, like we can hear, we can, we can be opened up, but it's like the witnessing is an internal process. Absolutely. And that's empowering once you learn that. Because then you have the tools are accessible to you. And you don't have to rely on somebody else for that tool. Um, yeah. You can do it in that present moment when you're feeling it and, and versus going, okay, I got to wait till I talk to this person so I can process this. You, you get to empower yourself to do that. Yes. Is that what I'm understanding? Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Now, what you just described, is that a lot of the work of Byron Katie or is that something, another tool that you used? The work of Byron Katie. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that we're... <laughs> I'm touching on where that, that looks from, because I, I wanted to dig in and we're getting close to the, to the end of the, the session. And I want to make sure that we tapped into that. And it, I think you explained that so beautifully so people can understand um, what that concept is. And my assumption is that um, from what you teach, is that what you help people navigate? And do you teach that? Or is there, uh, I'm assuming there's more to that 
Um, but how, what does that look like when somebody's looking for this healing modality? How do they go about that approach or to learn that tool or what services do you provide to help people navigate what you just experienced? Because I, I think that we go through these journeys as healers so then we can help other people. And, mm-hmm. and it sounds been like, that sounds like your peace, um, intention and learning about peace in the beginning, you had no idea that that would, you'd be teaching peace in a whole different way on this back end. And I think that's what makes stories beautiful, right? We, we think we're going a certain way and really the story just pivots and goes to this other beautiful way that we couldn't even imagine it would be, but we got to have some of those hard moments to learn yes. to get to that place. So, so yeah, tell you said more so about that part. Like how can they connect with you or what does that modality look like? Or, you know, whatever feels right for you. Awesome. Well, I love Katie's generosity and I'll share it with you right now. So if she has anything of value, it's for free. And that's exactly how she says it so kindly. And that is at the work.com. And in the top right hand corner, there's a button for downloads. And there you can just help yourself to all the resources. And what I did back in the day with uh, I named my daughter to listen to me was I went to the little book. And the little book is really a little book. It's like this big and it's a PDF and you can just read it through. And uh, that's all I needed to get started with my first Judge Your Neighbor worksheet. So um, I invite you to that. And there is um, there are videos on YouTube. There's a slew of resources on Katie's website and how to fill in the Judge Your Neighbor worksheet. Like you're totally set up. And um, you can... I totally love to meet you and invite you to my website, tamikatura.com. And there I host um, a weekly time to deep dive. You can either join like on a weekly basis or join the whole membership package. We also get online resources. And, um, you know, there's just, there's like so much available. It's like where to start. You know, if, if you're a person who would rather just be in the background and not make any contact, then there's a, there's a Facebook group where I have a lot of videos in there. So you can just go and like a resource library, go in and help yourself with really hard thoughts to inquire into. And that sometimes provides like a, a safe space, a safe container for you to just like spend time on those on your own without any influence from me or anyone else. Um, that's a, that's a group and it is, um, trauma and the work of Byron Katie. Yeah. And we'll so, put all these yeah. in the show notes so people can find them. Perfect. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's also the helpline for the work and, um, which anyone can just like join, like find a facilitator at that time and ask them to work with them, which is a really awesome service from the work of Byron Katie is like, we certified facilitators serve on there. And, um, you know, so there's just so many ways and yeah. And I also accompany, uh, high profile people like one-on-one. So for those of us who would just really need that high level discretion and privacy to make sure that they can, um, get what they need. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's like, it's all out there. Yeah. And 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, there's a playground of possibilities of how yes. we do our healing and it, yes. it just requires us to be open to what that looks like. And, yeah. and, um, and anybody that's listening to the podcast, that means you're open, right? Yes. If you're listening to this, you're a seeker, you're open yeah. to the possibilities of what yes. you can look like. And so we honor yeah. you and thank you for yeah. being here and, and listening with us today. And I know Tammy's heart and my heart, we have a heart for helping people and getting people connected to their next steps. And whether it be with either one of us or with any of any of the other people that we're going to interview on this journey, um, we all have this heart for helping people heal, no matter what that looks like. And so um, Tammy, thank you so much for sharing your heart and your story. And I am so excited for this journey because Tammy and I are going to be co-hosting this podcast. And and, uh, you know, we get to share our stories along the way. So you've got just a, a piece of her story. And um, as we get to know people along this journey, you're going to hear more and more in depth about our stories and how we can help you and how we can get you connected. And um, I just honor your time today and really thank you for coming here. Mm-hmm. And do you have any final thoughts before we hop off? I do. Thank you so much for opening that up. Um, you know, I was thinking the most obvious like next go-to would be our incredible collaborative international project of I am how to release the shame of narcissistic abuse and transform financial poverty to wealth beyond numbers as that is has the word like narcissistic abuse in there Mm -hmm. and um, releasing shame is just like so it's such a global topic and in that book I also have a detailed how-to so to walk the reader to rock us through it so that's that's available on for kindle or to order in paperback as well absolutely yeah, yeah. and that's oh. what brought us together uh, that, that project is, is really yeah. what is spearheading this foundation of this releasing shame and as yeah. we talked to all the authors that were a part of this beautiful collaborative project we had a lot of fun and I'm like, yeah. healing can be fun. There are oh things that goodness. we can do that all of us need to know that yes. it can be fun and that we can yes. step into this fearlessly and, and let those walls down and that there, yes. there is, there's a way, you know, yes. so thank you for bringing that tapestry of beautiful people together to create this, um, you know, what we don't know what it'll end up being. And, and I'm just excited for the expansion of how we can help connect other people. We are so glad you came here to listen with us today. Thank you for coming to Play on the Healing Playground. We will catch you next week with a new episode. Until then, enjoy the Playground of Possibilities. Thank you for playing with us today on the Healing Playground podcast, where healing can be fun and releasing shame can be done. We know from our own experiences that our healing journeys will be far from perfect. And rather than looking for the right way, we encourage you to find your way. We invite you to support yourself on your healing journey by joining our Play Pod Squad community at IamReleasingShame.org. When you'd like to be a guest on the show, have an idea for an episode, please write to us at IamReleasingShame.org. We love honest feedback. Please leave a review or comment on your podcast player. Till next week, Holly and Tammy. Today's episode is sponsored by the new membership formula. Are you dedicated to your healing? Is self-isolation providing you with a sensation of security and yet maybe also stagnating the self-healing experience? Tammy has created a new membership formula. Show up and be seen guilt-free as you desire, no explanation necessary. Dabble your toes in the sweet sounding brook of life. Be witnessed and witness others. 
flexible enough to pay as you go. Experience non-judgment towards yourself and on your healing journey. You are right where you are. Be moved into freedom without motive. To find out more, go to TammyKatura.com. Today's episode is sponsored by the international bestseller, Yes, I Can. Are you struggling with financial infidelity even after the relationship has ended? In this groundbreaking book, Tammy shares how after she left the toxic business relationship, the toxicity kept lingering and affecting her own business growth. Tammy shares the nitty gritty, how she transformed it, and provides concrete how-to for you to also experience freedom from past financial infidelity too. Support the Healing Playground podcast and purchase your copy of Yes, I Can at TammyKatura.com.